Hi, this is Scott Thrower, the voice of Fook Wimbles, just saying happy belated birthday to my mother, who will never, ever, ever hear this. Um, but still, <laughs> it's out there. Listens. Happy birthday. Your mother listens? Yes. Oh, she loves you more than mine does. My mother adores me. Oh. <laughs> well, she'll figure things out Explained soon. a lot. <laughs> uh, enjoy the episode. How does it explain a lot that my mother loves me? Yeah, it explains a lot. That's not, not normal. <laughs> Parents to love their children. Welcome to Caverns and Comedians. Dungeons and Dragons powered storytelling with Toronto comedians. Last time, their teleport through time spell brought the party into the bizarre game show of Pat Najak. They play his game, still unsure of their true reason for being there. The party has just gone through the future zone of the Crystal Labyrinth game show hosted by Pat Najak. He has just dropped some hints about who might be the mysterious producer behind this. But he doesn't want to say much more, and he's shepherding you towards the gate to the industrial zone. Hank, I'm you're, you're not my god. I mean, I could be. No, no, you couldn't. I have magic. You get magic through someone else. I would never pray to you. Uh, plus, I had magic powers before I knew you even existed. You're making some valid points. And I'll have magic powers long after you've ceased to exist. Oh. Well, I'm just saying playing the odds. I mean, look how the team has worked out. I mean, maybe I don't know that I'm a god, and I'm like an avatar of a bigger god? No. No, I think we can all safely say that there is nothing divine about you. Hank reaches down and tightens his jumpsuit around his thighs. <laughs> Wait, Ugh. what was I thinking about? Maybe. Um, How about it, guys? I mean, if anything, only one of you has just easily gone through all the most difficult games here so far. Is it me? It's me. I'm the best. Oh, yes, but with the power of my god helping her out. There are no gods, man. Well, clearly there are, because you've succeeded very well at those things. Not saying that you don't have natural talents, but I've also been casting spells on you. Can there be magic without God? That's just, I'm just putting that out there. Well, he has magic without gods. Yeah, I understand, like, the magic's innate in the universe, and I, like, weave them to my will. But my power comes clearly from a god, because I keep talking to him, although he never talks back. Is it because he's actually just the logo on an ice cream container? (laughs) Well, apparently... Well, this is uh, this is all very existential. But what about this steampunk-looking door? And there's a what's door. What's a steampunk? Look, the viewers will get it. You don't need to edit this out, guys. Earl, are you editing this out? You'd better be editing this out because if you don't make me look good, Earl, I will get you. So there's a door uh, that is. A web of gears. A lot, there's a lot of steam coming out of it. There's a like steam whistles that are chiming as the door opens. Wait, so by steampunk, you just mean gnomish? Well, no, I mean, it's like, it's pipes. Like, pipes yeah. is my thing, so it's like well, pipe stuff. Pipes and gnomish, too. I mean, gnomes, we like pipes. You like gears, I like pipes. I like are you a gnome? No. Well, then stop culturally appropriating. No, I, I, I was doing it of my own. <laughs> Everyone tries to say that. You guys don't... Look, I use pipes for pooping, and you guys poop in bags. It's a completely different thing. Yes, but you're you're misusing our pipes for pooping. No, that's what they're for. <laughs> Mr. Cultural Appropriation. Right, well, let's get back to uh, the late 19th century. 19th century of what? Look, the viewers will get it. Who are the viewers? Maybe we can pander to them if we know who they are. 
Yeah, maybe we should put Gary in charge of hosting the show. Maybe he'll give us some straight answers. Hey, Gary, come out here. Are you talking to Earl? Or Earl? The guy you said. Don't Ooh, worry, names the crew are hot. does not like it when you get their names wrong. Well, they should have name tags like I do. Okay, we'll take it again. And you find yourselves in a... It seems like a theme park version of a Victorian factory compound. There's a lot of brickwork, but there's also a lot of extraneous gears and pneumatic tubes and steam coming off everywhere. It's what you would see in Euro Disney's Jules Verne area. <laughs> so it's the same as before, mental, physical, or skill. Are you feeling like the brains of the bonds today, Fook? Well, she's clearly doing very well at the skill. Yeah, no, no, she's got skills down. Faultless. But I'm saying, do you feel more brawny or brainy today? Hmm. Mm. I think uh, I can do other. Which one's possibly deadly? Well, this is generally the intermediate one. Um, so, uh, really, nothing's really that deadly. Oh, well, the physical one might be. Then I will take that. Okay, well, this one's all about gears. Uh, into the gearbox! So he ushers you into a room that uh, has a lot of large turning gears. And some of them are vertical, some of them are horizontal. And around a few of them are uh, buttons, that like big red buttons. There's an iron cage across the room under which there is a crystal. All right, so I have to press these buttons until the crystal comes out of the cage? Yes, while on the gears. While on the gears? Yes. So I'll be spinning about? Yes, don't get dizzy. Ooh, well, I guarantee I will. I, I'm not clear on what's happening, though. What what, what do the buttons do? Some of them will do uh, things to the gear. Some of them will do things to the cage. All right. So which ones do things to the cage? You'll have to find out. I can't... You have to actually play the game. We're not going to stand here and talk about the game the whole time. <sighs> Please play the game. Uh, okay. Fook gets onto a gear. So you are now turning clockwise. Ooh, thank God my stomach feels empty because I'm not sure that I'd be able to take much of this. So you swing around, hit the button, and that starts the next gear going, which is now going to speed you up. The next button is now behind a gear that is vertical and turning, and through the teeth of the gear, you can see the button. When I'm done here, can I speak to the person who designed this thing and uh, get them some help? Well, we just told them to make it difficult. Fook moves to the next gear. You fall onto your back. Uh, it is now going, your sort of legs are dangling around, and this gear is coming into contact with another gear, so you're going to have to get your legs out of the way quickly. Fook jams his shield into the uh, intermix point between the two gears. He gave you a paper shield. Oh, that it's not your actual shield. Still. Fook is going to be looking around at the gears with his knowledge of, of clockwork and how these sorts of things work to figure out which gears are connected to the cage. Fook, as he has the few seconds before his legs are crushed, uh, sort of gets a very good sense of how all of these gears work together and which gears would need to be, which one would need to be activated. There are six buttons total. Two of them open the cage. One will open halfway, the other one will completely open it. Fook disappears into a silvery mist and reappears next to the next button that relates to the cage. Having misty steps, Fook is right there and able to raise the cage halfway. Fook misty steps to the next button that is related to the cage. Uh, you are able to raise that cage up enough that you can get in there and grab that crystal. Fook grabs the crystal. Oh, wow, that was very impressive. All you got to do now is get out of there in the next... Uh, you have two full minutes. 
Well, that's all of my second level spells. He casts Thunderous Smite and punches the gears to see if he can uh, create a concussive force of thunder to ruin them all so that he will have a clear path to walk out of this place. These gears all begin to fall apart, but some of them are going to give way underneath Book's feet, and some of them are going to try to roll to hit him. He has now made his escape much more difficult. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a minute and 45 seconds, Fook, and we might just charge you for repairs. Fook is going to grab one of the dislodged gears, the largest one that he can possibly find, start running across the room, and then use it like a sled to try and get across all of the other ones skimming across their surface. This largest gear that Fook can find is almost the size of Fook himself, uh, and he raises it up, begins to run on his stumpy little legs. You can hear his knee pop as he goes, uh, and he just throws the gear in front of him and then leaps on top of it to sort of go across all of the other moving gears. He's hoping that the teeth will not bite into other teeth and that just the flat surface of the gear will slide across everything that's in his way. Despite the chaos he has created, despite a dozen near misses, he manages to get across the room as the last gears begin to fall and just massive destruction is done to this set piece, which they plan to use again. But he gets to the door. Well, that was a... That was one way to do that. Yes, well, I'm more of a brawn person than I am, you know, anything else. Yeah, you called it the physical challenge. Yes. And, and he physicaled all the things. All right, so we have uh, skill and mental. Skill and mental. Everybody's still engaged in the game. I'm still going to do the brain stuff, I oh, think. Oh, good lord. Hey, you took the physical. What else am I going to do? I've only got one bless left. I think I'm going to use it on her. Okay. No, I got this. Look, I got this covered so Do we need all of the crystals to get what we want at the end of this, or do we just need most of them? You need to attempt to get most of them. That's, uh, I mean, the point of the game is to play the game. Oh, yeah. Then just do your best. I can do this. We'll get your remains back to your family. I can do this. All right, Hank, this is a two-minute challenge. Go into the kitchen. And he sort of pushes you into a room that looks like... A working-class kitchen of, say, the 1910s. I'm used to dealing with food a little later in the process. There's a there's a kitchen table. There's a small counter area. There's a sink and a a stove, and there's all the the trappings of a regular regular uh, working-class kitchen of the time. And you hear, as the door closes, Pat and Ajax's voice asking. What begins with tea, ends with tea, and has tea in it. Do you just want me to make you a sandwich? Oh no, it's not a riddle. Yes. Well, don't make don't make a tempest out of a teapot with this one. It's an easy one. Uh, so Hank starts routing through the cupboards trying to find hints. In some of the cupboards, there are like really inexpensive plates and mugs, and some there are dried goods. Above, Fook is standing there with one hand on his waist and the other hand held up in the air. He can't see you. So Hank is going through the cupboards. He's basically just opening everything that's a container and throwing it on the ground trying to smash it. So he smashes a uh, tin can full of coffee beans, throws it on the ground. Nothing. A mason jar full of uh, preserves, throws it on the ground. What begins with tea, ends with tea, and has tea in it? He opens up a cupboard that's full of tea bags and throws them on the ground and jumps up and down on top of them. He gets over to more of the serving items and eventually he sees a number of teacups and starts smashing them into each other. 
What begins with tea, ends with tea, and has tea in it? 30 seconds, Hank. He grabs the teapot and throws it directly on the ground in front of him. Made of metal, so it just sort of bounces. He hears a little bit of a clattering sound inside of it, though, so he opens up the teapot. And there is the crystal. He pulls out the crystal and runs to the door. Pat is just sort of standing in the door. You know this was supposed to be a reasoning challenge, not a destroy the hell out of this kitchen challenge, right? Whenever I am on uh, like an angry fit as a child and I wrecked everything in, in the kitchen, I would always start that by drinking tea and then end it by drinking tea to calm myself down. So I assumed what you wanted me to do was to reenact those fits that I had as a child. Does anyone object if I just lock him in here? Uh, no. Not really. Oh, well, sorry, Hank. <laughs> you didn't Hank get out in time. makes a dive and rolls for the door. And the door closes in front of him. Right, so uh, Hank won't be joining you for giving any help in the next challenge, but you will have a chance to release him later from the lockup. What's the other option? Leaving him there, can we? Is that all right? Well, we'll, we'll figure that out later. That's a bit of a secret challenge. All right. Hank cleans up the kitchen and starts <laughs> making himself a sandwich. It's set food. It's been there for a long time. It's not. This isn't craft services. Hank doesn't mind. Last one is the skill game. I guess that's back to you, Snakey. This game tests your ability to be a factory worker and work with the machines themselves. Which is a perfectly acceptable job, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. Okay. You have to operate a piece of heavy machinery known as the claw. Oh, cool. See, in this bin here, there are many different objects, including one crystal. You have to reach the claw into it, take out the crystal, and drop it into the crystal receptacle off at the side. Oh, fun. Yes, there's lots of uh, sort of stuffed representations of industrial Ooh, things. Oh, I want that stuffed snake. Right, not the one you're going for. Oh, no, no, Mamie, I want that. Oh, look. Oh, I want that stuffed eyeball. Oh, I want that real eyeball. No, oh, I don't know which one I want. You want the crystal. Ugh. It's probably at the bottom because small things tend to fall down. Gotcha. So Snakey is able to, basically with one hand and not even really looking that closely, uh, the claw moves forward and then drops down. And you are able to pull it back up with the crystal in its in the claws. <sighs> Easy. And I think you still have time to go for the snake. All you have to do is get that crystal back into the receptacle without dropping it. Then you can go for the snake. Uh, Snakey moves the claw over to the receptacle and drops the crystal effortlessly into it. Oh, wow. You've only got a minute and 45 seconds to take the five-foot step to the door. Gotta get that snake. Yes. <laughs> Snakey is able to get two identical matching snake plushies up with her next claw attempt. Oh, they're so cute. She drops them into the receptacle. Anybody want anything from this? Could I have the little bear? Oh, that kid. <laughs> also, I don't know what an iPod is, but I want it. No problem. With one move, she picks up the eyeball and the iPod and drops them into the receptacle. Oh, bear. Shoot. Well, kid, you get an eyeball. <laughs> she scoops them up uh, in her cloak and w slowly saunters over to the door. And she's able to easily walk out with a minute left. Well, here's your iPod. Thank you. What the hell is it? I don't know. It plays music. Here you go, kid. Here's an eyeball. Ooh, it's juicy. so slimy. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, Susan, I got this for you. What a what a magical bonding moment. 
Right, well, you've been through all three zones. You've got an eight of nine possible crystals. It's time to cash those crystals in. Wait, which one didn't we get? Yeah. Can I go free now? Maybe. We'll deal with that after the break. Ooh. So they cut the commercial, and uh, Pat goes and grabs a little, gets a little drinking from a straw from a, a can of Diet Coke, and is just sort of... Gonna mail it out. It's like, all right. So you guys, uh, you guys made it through the games. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. So, do you have more information to reveal to us? Yeah, you're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to get through the final battle. Uh, a battle? Oh no, my spells are tapped out. Wait a minute, battle? I thought it was a game show. Yes, but uh, people want to see the blood. You know, they want to see the violence. They want to see the action. Wait, who are you again? Look, you'll get all your stuff back for this battle. Here, take your shield. And- Ooh. The little little pushian people come back out, and they have all of your gear, and they're bringing it back out. It looks like it's sort of moving on the floor as though ants are carrying it, because these little helpers are so tiny. So yeah, uh, if you guys want to make it through to the Crystal Dome, where I think you're going to get everything that you've ever wanted, possibly, you're going to have to get through the next battle. My children are coming back to me? My city's not burned to the ground? Well, That's maybe, totally maybe not if my fault. everything you ever my wanted was answers, dead? answers to questions. Answers to questions no. more. It's like, well, no, no, no. Maybe I oversold that slightly. Yes, you did, definitely. Thanks, Smarter. Right. Uh, <laughs> oof. Oh, glaze right over that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll explain it when we get back on the air. Uh, we got about 30 seconds. Get your, uh, or we'll give you a few minutes to get your armors and such back on. Okay, uh, that'll take a while. Uh, Hank has been moved from. A, from the kitchen to a holding cell. It's like a mock-up of a of a prison. It's got bars on it, and they've given him back his equipment. So, uh, onwards? Yes, and congratulations on all of your success. Yeah, thanks, thanks for your help or whatever. Yeah, well, no problem. I mean, we're stuck in the future together now. I hope you're not too upset about the things you've left behind. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, neither do I, because we left behind Agatha. All right, look, I, I like Agatha. She was good. She's maybe a little combative, but uh, I just want you to know she lived a long and uh, she lived a long life. Wait, wait, you know what happened to her? Yes. Yeah. How come you didn't say like long and happy or long and prosperous? You just said long. He said long and happy. Yes. He, what well, he happened? He said long, and then he almost said happy, and then he paused and he said long again. Well, do you think Agatha's ever really gonna be happy? Um. No. Yeah. I'm just surprised she lived long. Actually, she lived the life she chose. Being. Eaten by gnolls? Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. So she survived that. Yeah. She lived a long life. Uh, there were a few survivors for a while. Oh, this is a very loaded sentence. Yes. But she was happy-ish. She did what she did best. Um, so avoided doing her clerical duties? Uh, she worked in... She was a librarian. Ooh, the that most is not viol- what she did best. The most violent librarian. The most rigid and uncompromising librarian that they had ever had. Well, I suppose it's a life. You are brought to two very large doors that go almost to the rafters of the studio. Do I have to stay in this prison as a rule? or is Yes, it's part of the game. Can it be soundproofed? It should be. It's magic-proofed. Oh. Ooh, so he can't cast any spells to help us? No, not, not while he's in there. And I'm out of magic, so this is going to be a little difficult. Uh-oh. We're back. Now they've been through the zones. They've been through time. They've been through many t- trials. But their greatest trial awaits. The trial of combat. Now, 
here's where your crystals come in. You've got an eight out of nine crystals. You've done really well for yourself. So let's all give ourselves a pat on yes, the back. I think we actually had 20 or 25 by the end of that, just from uh, Hank. Hank presents his hands full of small crystals, but since he's in the magic-proof cage, they all dissipate. Oh, no, sorry. But I do still have the one that I got in the kitchen. I just have it inside of the cage. The crystal disappears from Hank's hand. You didn't earn that. Cheetos. You have eight out of nine crystals. That's really good. Why don't you all give yourself a pat on the back? You too, little boy. Don't think you're getting out of this one. Uh, wait, no, no. Uh, he's a little young for combat. I just saw my entire village burned to the ground. Then the city we went to for help and safety get attacked. I killed seven gnolls. Yes, well, uh, we've all been there. So let's go into the arena. Uh, but we're leaving the little boy behind. We've made a choice as a team. I'm sorry, he'll have to at least come into the arena with you. He's got a jumpsuit. We were told four people were coming through that teleport. Yes, well, um... Um... We've got a snake, though. I can put the snake in the jumpsuit. Well, we've kind of been treating the snake and snakey as, like, one sort of... Well, let me see the rule that says I can't. Well, there are no rules. Yes, exactly. Fook is taking the jumpsuit off the boy and putting it on the snake. There is now a naked boy... Look, we can't show this on television. Then just show the snake. All right, fine. This boy can come with me. Uh, The boy's regular clothes have magically reappeared. Oh, thank God. The large metal doors open. There's like a great release of steam, which has nothing to do with the doors opening. There's just jets of steam that are going out for effect. For drama. Yes. Uh, You can see like the blue lasers uh, shooting through. There's a very bluish kind of uh, design to this. And... You see a large arena, but that would look like the kind of arena American Gladiators or anything like that. It's sort of, uh, there's sort of hyper-colored platforms and coloring all around. There are flashing siren lights. You that you are on a platform that is about 15 feet up in the air. There are, it goes 50 feet to either side. Ahead of you, you see some boxes on the ground below you. There is... A river going through the far side. It's about five feet wide. And there are three platforms. One is 15 feet high. The, uh, the middle one is 30. And then there's another 15 foot high one. And on each of those are pods that are opaque and that have smoke coming off of them. Are there more crystals up there in those pods? No, this is where you get to cash in your crystals. You will see beside you there is a crystal depository. You can put crystals into either the cell that will release Hank sooner rather than later, or you can use them to keep those pods closed a little bit longer. What's in the pod? You'll find out, but you won't like them. More Hanks? No, there are thankfully no more Hanks. I mean, I got two kids. They're not named Hank, but like they're my progeny. So, wait, is our goal to get across this room? Your goal is to survive this room. For how long? Yeah. Till the end. I feel really safe in my cage. Can I just stay in the cage the whole time if I want, and then do I win? Yes, Hank, do you actually have any magic that would be useful to us in this situation? Oh, yeah, no, I can call in my, some of my magic friends to beat things up, or I can That's just, true. you know, treat them like clogs and shatter So maybe them. Some, ju- some of the crystals in to hit Hank's hole might yeah, help. okay. Yeah, we'll put some crystals in Hank's hole. So why don't we stagger it so one pod's going to be opening soon and then uh, the other two will be delayed one more than the other. So why don't we put three into getting Hank out early, three into one of these keeping a pod closed, 
two into another one of keeping the pod closed, and then that's done. Great. Done. Uh, as we're waiting for this, Fook calls out to Steve because he has a feeling he'll need him. And the Celestial Dashend appears. Hello, Steve. Woof. Welcome to a whole new generation. All right, you've been through the ancient zone, the industrial zone, and the futuristic zone. Now you've got to defeat the champions of each zone. You've spent your crystals, you've made your time, you've made your choice. The final combat begins. And Wait a minute, I need a bathroom break. All right, uh, let's take five, everybody. Uh, let's pick this up. Uh, let's get everybody in the washroom. Uh, anybody need some water? Need some water? Need some water? I could use a drink. Take Guys. A beer. Guys in the pods, do you guys need some water? You're good? Cool. All right. All right. Let's go. All right. I'm done. All right. Uh, wait, wait. Wash my hands. Yeah, that's right. You really want to be clean for this one. All right. Okay. Let the combat begin. And there are sirens that blare. There are flashing lights everywhere. It's a real big production. They're spending a lot of money on the visual effects for this. Uh, there is... You, dramatic music is playing in the background, but it's all sort of like crappy 80s-style synth music playing. Wait, Snakey, did you need to use the bathroom before we got started, just in case? You know? We all had the chance. We're going through with this now. We can't turn off the lighting sequence. Well, it's going to be on TV, whatever happens. <laughs> <laughs> the third pod is going to begin to open, and what comes out is a construct which would seem sort of vaguely similar to Fook. It is known at, on the TV screen at home, they would uh, see a, the telestrator would write Pentadrone. It is sort of a, uh, a mechanical construct with five legs that walks around, almost like a five-legged spider. It's, got, it's sort of bronze-looking, and it moves with joints and pneumatics. And it is going to start scaling down the platform that it's on. Snakey, with Susan at her side, runs down the steps nearest to her. She draws her bow. Snakey narrows her eyes and shoots the arrow. The arrow flies through the air, and as it hits the five-legged mechanical creature, it, it ensnares it, holding it down to the ground. Its arms and legs are trying to get, a, get free from it, but they aren't quite powerful enough to get free. It is very awkward, and it's very stuck up on its platform. Fook throws two javelins, both going wide of the mark. He then leaps onto the back of his dog, who rushes towards the set of the stairs to the right, taking him to the bottom of the stairs. Susan waggles her tail back and forth, teasing the mechanical creature. It is very annoyed. Hank, from his perch up in his cage, does realize he can't do anything physical, so he tries to use his knowledge of Arcana to figure out how the pentadrone might work. Hank is able to remember that pen, that these creatures come from the plane of Mechanus, and they are in the service of a god of order. They follow their orders to the end. They cannot be turned from their purpose. So guys, don't try to trick it. It's mechanical. It's only going to think on its orders. We can probably outsmart it, though, if you can think up something smart. I think all of that was pretty clear, actually, just from it being mechanical. Well, you know what? I'm just trying to do what I can up here, all right? All right. It tries to lift itself up on its feet, but it only, it sort of slips off the platform and is now more entangled in these thorns. Snakey takes aim with her bow and arrow, this time to kill the creature. She knocks an arrow, and it flies through the air, 
piercing through the metal heart of the creature. Ha ha! Sweet. Despite being hit in its metal heart, its metal circulatory system has redundant systems back in, but it is severely damaged and incapable of movement. This thing is now very vulnerable. Fook is at the bottom of the stairs, riding on the back of Steve, who is galloping across the across the ground of this arena towards the creature. Fook can't quite make it to the water, but he's in much closer range, so he thinks he's going to have an easier time with his last two javelins. The two javelins hit the two sensory apparatus of the pentadrone. Uh, there are sparks flying everywhere. A fire breaks out a bit. The thorns that were entangling it are burned away, and it has just enough free movement to stand as it explodes. And there's a ray of sparks... And you hear a buzzer go off, and there's a scoreboard that you couldn't see before because it wasn't lit up that lights up with one underneath the player's name that is just lit up. Well, it looks like they've got through the first challenge. They just have to wait for the next pod to open up. Yeah, we just got got a little bit of time to kill. There's uh, no monster attack this round. Hank from his cage starts doing some basic stretches, some finger exercises that basically look like the steeple with the people and the church type things. Uh, maybe this can be a thing. Five, four, three. Wait, uh, what happens at one? Two, one. The second pod opens up. Ooh. When that pod opens up, shambling out is a mummy. Its ancient wrappings are tattered and worn and turned a bit brown as it lurches out of its pod. Ooh, don't let this one touch you. Snakey draws another arrow and aims at the mummy. The arrows sail through the air, even though there aren't any internal organs that are functioning to do damage to. The the power imbued into Snakey's bow lands with the force as Though this mummy was still alive, it feels pain for the first time in thousands of years. Happy Mother's Day! (laughs) A single tear rolls down its cheek as it remembers its children from its past life. Wait, is this your mother? It could have been if it's from well, only a thousand years ago. Uh, That's that's heavy. Just want to chime in. We have ethically sourced all of our mummies. What does that mean? How does that work? Is this is too easy? I want to stab something with a knife. Steve is going to run along the edge of the river with Fook on his back, but unfortunately, they're not going to make it to the mummy this round. Susan decides to slither across to the other side of the river. Susan is going to swim across the river and wait at the bottom of the first of this platform. Hank in his cell, getting a little antsy, probably hears. The rush of air as the bars begin to lower as they are on, like, their cylinders on pneumatic tubes, and he is now free. I'm free, guys. I'm joining the fight. And by joining the fight, I mean I'm summoning magic friends to help you fight. Hank casts Summon Minor Elemental. As Hank casts the spell, four little lava gremlin-like creatures called magmins burst out of the ground around the mummy. The four gremlin creatures all move on the mummy. Three of them are still kind of dizzy from just being pulled out of another plane of existence, but one of them managed to land a hit, and its magma claws catch the mummy on fire. This mummy begins to burn. Begins to burn inside as well. It's just been attacked with fire, its greatest enemy, and it knows who did it. It turns its dreadful glare upon Hank. 
trying to peer deep into his soul to frighten him with its terrifying visage. Technically, it wasn't me. It was the Magmans. I ain't scared of you. Hank's hard head protects him from any sort of wisdom-based attack. And the mummy burns. And it burns brightly. The old dry paper is now... The entire top half of this mummy is on fire. How you're not frightened of it, I don't understand. The third center platform, the pod begins to open. And you see something unlike anything you have ever seen. It is floating. It is made of metal. There is a glow below it that seems to be pushing it up into the air. And there is a bright red glowing eye in the center. Snaky, unshaken, casts Hunter's Mark and stares directly at the giant eye. Snaky's magical bow is able to launch arrows that otherwise probably wouldn't be able to pierce the metal construct. And they lodge within it, sort of possibly affecting its ability to move and to turn. It seems to be wounded. But you've never seen anything like this, and you don't know what wounded would look like for it. Susan slithers up the mummy's platform and begins to devour his flaming body. Susan isn't quite able to get all the way up. Corkscrewing up, but she doesn't quite get all the way to the top of the platform. But there's now a snake-encircled platform there, which looks pretty cool. Hank bursts out of his cage and jumps down from the balcony that he's on. He lands hard, hurting his leg even a little bit as he lands, but he bursts forward as far as he can, gets in range to cast Shatter on the robotic beast. As he casts the spell, a jackhammer-like sound begins admitting right from the point that the robot is located at. A sound that's so loud it should shake it apart. But nothing happens. Oh, dang. Oh, dang? Oh, dang. What? What did you say? I said, oh, dang. Is that all right to say on television? No, let's take that back. Shoot, done? It's kind of lame, but we're moving on. All right, Magman, you're a cue. The Magman continue to accost the mummy, each of them jumping up, slashing at it little bursts of flame jumping out of their claws as they do it. One of them is trying real hard, but doesn't seem to be able to jump high enough. He seems like he's the weakest of the litter. But the rest of them still get some solid hits in, and the fire continues to engulf the mummy further. The mummy explodes in flame. It is consumed and is turned to ash. The mummy has been defeated, and you see the scoreboard turn to two. Good job, guys. I didn't do anything. I was talking to the Magmen. Yeah. The Magmen give a thumbs up to Hank. The flying eye turns to the only target that has done damage to it and is going to unleash an attack on the likes of which you have never seen for a beam of plasma is going to be shot directly at Snakey. It shoots about a beam of plasma that burns the ground at Snakey's feet as it just misses. Ah, close one. And then it recalibrates its aiming and refocuses its eye. But there must have been some damage done to it from the previous arrow attacks because it shoots in on itself and the eye goes a little wobbly and starts to flash different colors in a distress cycle. If it could be, this thing appears to be confused. Maybe, even though it looked like my spell did nothing, it like scrambled the inside electronics. 
It was for sure me. I have a theory on how to fix it, but I don't think I should tell them. Mm-mm. No, no, keep that in your head. Snakey, seeing the giant mechanical beast with an eye, so confused, decides it's time to end it. She draws her bow. Snakey's arrows fly through the air one after another, drawn to the point of the eye at the center of the beast. It was unable to dodge, unable to move, unable to use any of its advanced defense systems. And the arrows hit the most vulnerable part of its eye. The core of its power explodes in a blinding flash. The scoreboard turns to three. The dramatic fight music ceases playing. All the lights come on. The three platforms lower into the ground. Fook on the back of Steve runs between Snakey and that middle platform yelling, Not my Snakey, you bitch! And then sees the fight's over. Pat Najak is appears in a door that slides out of the wall at the other end and says, You have successfully made it through the arena with a perfect score. Not one of you was hit once by these very difficult to obtain adversaries. Congratulations, you have gained admittance to the Crystal Dome. Or you could take what's in this box. Ooh, the box. Oh, hold on. I don't know about that. The box probably doesn't have your family or my family in it. Ooh, the room, the dome thing. Let's go to the dome thing. Are you sure? Well, can you tell us what's in the dome room? One of my sons would fit it in that box. Can you tell us what's in the box? It doesn't no, look like the it's box the mystery has... box. That's the allure. It doesn't look like that box has air holes. Ugh. Let's hope your son's not in the box. Let's go for the dome. No one ever wants the rice aroni. He ushers you through the arena. There's a long corridor. Uh, it appears to be made of crystal, but it's just basically cellophane and other fiberglass. It leads you down this hallway. And there's sort of triumphant music playing. And you enter a cavernous space that doesn't appear to be a studio. This is now a natural space. The air is different. The lighting is different. There's no longer that video glare. Bioluminescent fungus on the walls that is illuminating it. A little promontory around a pool that is also glowing with bioluminescence. And on this little school little circle of rock there is a brilliant shining dome made of crystal like it nearly brings you to tears to see this hank runs up to the crystal dome and says one trip home to my family please well let's let's usher you inside first we got to do the, like the wrap up and then uh then the audience doesn't actually get to see this part we feel that the uh the mystery may uh may add in some uh, extra draw to the show oh yes so essentially we thank our families and um talk about what we're planning on doing next and then you go through the door and then there's a bright white blinding light and then we that's the end of the show okay all right so uh you've just made it through the crystal labyrinth congratulations now before you get your final reward who would you like to thank who would you like to say home say hello to at home uh, well, everyone at home is dead, um, so uh, I guess I'd just like to uh, visit a bathroom again. Um, I guess I'll say thank you to uh, my wife, Sarah, and my kids, Luke and Alex, for waiting, because I, I don't know how long it's been for you, but time travel-wise, it's been a real long time for me. I miss you a bunch. Well, yes, and she sounded lovely, so she's probably moved on. And, and I'm going to make it home to you real soon. We had something special, so don't move on, please. Thank you. I have no one. There is nothing. Well, you have me now. 
I'd also like to thank Susan the Snake for all her support on this journey. Uh, she's been real nice to me. And uh, like yes, and I'd like to apologize because I was rather useless in that battle. Well, we won't hold it against you. I'd also like to thank all the people who have reached out during the broadcast and uh, found me a new home. Oh, good. I'm going to be the heir to the throne of some faraway kingdom. Ooh. In which I will rule over with an iron fist oh, as I right. crush those who oppose me and make all pay. I will be the blood fist on the throne of bones. Luke hits him with the butt of his axe. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we dodged a bullet there. Yes, well, vengeance sometimes has to happen in advance. So, so Agatha sacrificed herself for the kid you just killed? Well, it was a gamble all the whole time. You never know with children. You do your best to raise them right, yes, but... Yes, sometimes, sometimes they're just bad eggs. Right, well, it's been a pleasure. I, once again, have been Pat Najak. This was our first delve into the Crystal Labyrinth. Who's going to be the next contestant? Could it be you? Is child death good for your ratings? It depends on the market. Okay. We localize. All right, uh, now we're just going to get a shot of you guys walking into the Crystal Dome, and uh, I'm pretty much done here. Uh, good luck. I hope it's nice. Do you get some answers to those questions we asked earlier that had important answers? Well, that's, that's what you get in there. Ooh, Fook runs ahead. Hank follows. Guys, can you slow it down? We wanted to like we wanted to do sort of like a slow mo walk. No, I can't. Do it in post. Snakey gives him the finger and walks out slowly, looking him in the eye. Badass. Inside the dome, the air is sweet and smells of roses. There's a almost glowing dust in the air. Uh, there are everything is made of. Seem to be carved from crystal or like grown from crystal. There are bookcases filled with leather bound volumes. There are like little display cases under which there are daggers and amulets and rings and other objects that could potentially be of vast power and significance. But in the center of the room, there is a throne, and sitting on that throne is a kindly-looking man with a sort of coquettish hat and a goatee, and he's got a kindly expression on his face. He has a lute at his side, and he looks directly at Fook. Well, I've been expecting you for some time. I have absolutely no idea who you are. He stands up, walks across, touches you on the forehead, and you know exactly who he is. My God, you've been a kangaroo the whole time. So it's not me. If I could have made you smarter, I would have, but... Fook, I've given you back your memory. I am Ogma, the god of infinite knowledge. Fook, you can now remember everything until the first time we met. That's an arbitrary place to stop. Well, that's where your inability to form memory broke. Ogma, isn't it? Yes, I saved you from the conflagration. I attempted to guide you. But you are perhaps the most frustrating person to guide. Oh, well, uh, I try. Um, but you didn't save my family. I am afraid that is a fixed point in time. I'm going to give you back some more memories, and I want you to brace yourself. Why, are they sexy memories? No. Who? He touches you again on the forehead, and you remember 17 discrete instances where you were able to travel back in time to attempt to save your family, and each time it failed. 
and each time it played out differently and no matter what you did the same result came about oh no so if we played around in time it still wouldn't work it is what i said remember when i said the jigsaw puzzle but if it how many times get fixed is is fixed time like a frequent thing time is like a crystal it's very it is beautiful and ornate but it is also prone to shattering so it's not just something specific to me in my instance it's something more universal yes it I mean you thought this was all about you well i i wondered and snaky i'm sorry there will be no way to go back and save eberik and hank i'm sorry you're just going to be you yeah i like me yeah but come on this is yeah. coming from a god no, I get it. I mean, I never really aspired to be much. Your futures are still unwritten. You have lived through your moments of fixity, and there is still much for you to do. Snaky, you might have failed to save the city you were born in, but... You can't put salt in the wound, why don't you? Jeez. There is a city much larger and even more full of the innocent that stands there now, who, well, technically built on the ashes of your city, is they're innocent and blameless and about to be reduced to ash and... I don't Fo believe in gods. I am literally a god. Mm, I am. Prove it. I can vouch for him. Uh, I we'll will. See. Do you want me to prove it to you? Yeah. Okay. Ooh. I. Hold on. Brace yourself. He touches your forehead, and you live a thousand lives of everybody you have ever met. You live their entire lives, all their memories, and everything they ever knew or experienced goes through your brain. And. For a moment, you are unable to process everything. There's too many voices, too many personalities, too many yous that have lived. And then as he moves his finger off, it's like a dream. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, I can do that. That's something I can do. Hank holds up his hand. Can I have a cool memory trip too, like everyone else? <sighs> All right. I think I've got just the thing for you. He touches you on the forehead. And you get to go back to the initial planning meetings for the sewers of Tudeau. This is amazing. They were so overambitious. Yes, the, the moment when they chose exactly where to source the bricks for the sewers and, and what color to paint the signs. As soon as he removes his finger, Hank takes out his journal and starts writing down things. I'm going to write the memoirs and everyone needs to know all the details. Wait, so uh, Algma, what, what do you need of us? I need you to use the knowledge and experiences you've gained to oh, good Lord. to save people. Like There are fixed points, and then there are points of flux, and you were all inexorably moving to a point of flux. I already tried saving people once, and I screwed it up. Sorry, fixed point. You were, you were kind of hosed from the get-go there. What? Yes, oh. unfortunately, you were, you were from the past, so you weren't... You were living through your present, but it had already happened, whereas our present hasn't already happened, so it can change. Well, oh, also, it's all happened to me. I mean, I've seen the future, but this is a moment of flux in which the future branches off. It, so, you know, various different futures. Some of them go well and some of them don't, in, in, except in all of them, my family is dead. Sadly, yes. How many does my family not be dead? It doesn't look good. It's going to be quite difficult. Fook, you've suffered greatly, I understand. You've suffered more than you can even comprehend and, or will remember. But it turned you into the person you are. The 
quest for vengeance turned you into a force no, no, for good. No, no, hold, hold that thought. I traveled through time like 17 times. How old am I? I thought I was 380, but I must be older than that then. Oh, you might want to up that power of five. What? <laughs> How does a gnome live that long? That's longer than any gnome has ever lived in history. Well, why do you think I take such an interest? It's fascinating. Uh, no wonder my knees hurt. <laughs> you may not be the people you want to be. You may not have done the things that you've all wanted to do. You may not get to fulfill your wildest ambitions, but people need you. I cannot directly intervene except through the guidance I give you or the, the knowledge I impart to the others here. But there is a great conflagration coming, what you were unable to prevent before could potentially be prevented. Look, I'm going to need you to touch my head one more time. Because you're going to have to plant in there something so deep that uh, no matter what's written on my shield, I will always believe it is true that I can never go back and save my family. That needs to be a certain fixed point in my own mind. I can do something for you. I can open up a, a channel. He touches your mind, and through your mind's eye, you see the gnomish afterlife and your children and your wife are standing looking at you from across a great distance but somehow also close wait are they now going to watch me poop look this, I, we're not going can to can i close this sometimes fook uh your wife speaks to you fook grow up don't encourage the children well it's... look we've been waiting a long time for you and we want you to be able to join us here. Well, I'm 1,900 years old. That might not happen anytime soon. It will if you let go. One more mission, then. Earn your place here. Do and keep your mind out of the toilet. Oh, no. You're going to need to touch my head again. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I stay with you. Plus, I've seen the women you've been with. We were going to have a long talk. Well, it was an open <laughs> marriage. It was not that open. Well, you have Guys, been missing. We're still yes. all here. <laughs> Sorry, Ogma, you didn't need to see that. Hank holds up his hand again. Could I have that too with the family, but my family this time? Your family's not dead. I just want to see him. I don't. Look, you can see your family. We, I can. I, I'm going to release you back into the time you came from. But you're going to have to get help because I don't think any of you are able to take on you know who. You're going to have to do a little errand. There are some... I'll, there are people in their own way who might be able to give you a hand, that, but they'll need something in return. Who will? <laughs> you know, I can perform certain things. I'm immune to diseases, after you all. You just talked to your wife. There's uh, a celestial smack on the back of your watching you. The connection was still open. Jeez, um, I haven't felt that in 1,600 years. Do you know what lives in the... In the fire mountains north of the city? Nope. I'm guessing fire things? I thought it was dragons. Oh, bang on. Maybe you can help them out. Uh, they need you. They need something delivered. I've been prayed to by someone who is asking for help, perhaps of a paladin or someone with knowledge of how to, uh, how to appease the dragons. And this man is a simple man, but he does have something they do want. 4,000 bottles ice-cold beer. That needs to be delivered to the Fire Mountains. <laughs> and how many bottles of beer extra do you have for us to consume along the trip? For safety reasons. I'll just say, how many 
bottles do you want to be short when you show up to a bunch of dragons? Probably not many. Maybe three. We could probably do three or four. Well, and we can use your prestidigitation skills to, to cool them. Yeah, we can keep them cool. Uh, you guys have a little errand and then maybe you'll get some help. Wait, so does God have a side business in alcohol? No, I've... Yeah, are you a... <laughs> I, someone runner? asked for my intercession. I can't intercede directly, but I can send people to help. Seems like a pretty petty errand. Yeah, no, I gotta agree with that. I mean, like, right. we have deliveries. Yeah, don't you have better things to do? Like maybe stopping this thing from destroying the city? And how are you going to do that? Uh, well, I don't have your abilities. I happen to know that a shitload of dragons might help. Do you have a shitload of dragons? No, no that's true. That's true. Judge the size of your dragons. Does it measure up to a shitload? No, no, it's slightly less than that. Yes, significantly less than the metric shitload of dragons. I've got a dashant. Metric shitload of dragons. All right, I see your point, God. Can you imagine how cool it would be if you all flew in on the back of a dragon? Oh, God's a bit of a jerk. I like mine better. I am absolutely all-knowing. I know everything you assholes have ever done. Ooh. Oh, yeah, like this was ine- wasn't inevitable. Everyone you have ever spoken to has gotten angry at you. <laughs> well, to be fair, that was Finnick and Agatha for the most part. Oh, and Moldar. Why do I now remember Moldar? Can you take that away again? Well, once you leave this place, your ability to form new memories will once again be shattered. Oh, so thank God. We can pick a point at which you stop forming memories, but it's going to be half through the family. At least I'll remember them and have them. Watching me from a foreign, far away place. Heaven. I will also grant boons to the rest of you. Uh, Snakey, you command that snake so well. I will give you the ability to ride a dragon in a way that no normal mortal would be able to. All right. I mean, I expected it would go that way anyways, but that's cool. I know your whole home burned down. That I'm going to make sure that nothing ever burns you down, I will give you this cloak that will make you immune to fire. Sweet. Gotta get it dirtier. It's too clean. I'm, I'm sorry. It is also immune to dirt. No, no. I can, I'll make it work. <laughs> you it's worry. very cool, though. It's got your name stitched on the back. Ooh. And Hank starts patting his pockets <laughs> looking for something. A book. Ooh, I like books. Can you teach him how to turn pages? I just couldn't do it in order. Hank, this is a very special spell book. It's a spell book on tape. I don't... What's a tape? You don't need to know. You just need to press this button and it will play it for you so that you won't miss important information. I like that. I'm going to read this book. And... Fook, good job, old buddy. Pats him on the shoulder. <laughs> um, oh, well, that's a little uninspiring. First you tell me that my entire life's goal is uh, moot now, and then just that? You don't need to carry that loot anymore that was the true source of the power. Not the shield. It wasn't the shield. Wait, which power? My divine power was running through the loot that you carry on your back. Oh. But you play very poorly. Well, I've been trying. You had almost 2,000 years to practice. Uh, Yes, well, I mean, once you get a few good songs that you know how to do, you... But no that doesn't grow your skills, and if you uh, practice alone, you just master your mistakes. Well, it hurts my fingers. You're supposed to build calluses. Well, uh, they keep healing. Look, I'm going to give you a new s- holy symbol. Anytime you look into this marble, we'll see the face of your wife, and she will be able to see you, and through this vessel, my power will flow. Plus, 
she's going to be able to see what you do. Who knew? <laughs> so let's keep you on the straight and narrow. It's an open marriage. Well, you'll be able to ask permission. We're going to be dissolving this re- little pocket reality. Uh, good luck. Um, there's a tendency to be a bit of a drop, so brace yourselves. And also... Wait, what does that mean? Yeah. Also, uh, just be nice, okay? Ugh. Just be nice. And as he says that, the crystal dome winks out of existence, and you fall five feet each onto uh, a stone gravel driveway sort of thing outside a large brewery that is to the north of the city that is... Um, it is labeled Galarian Brewery. Okay, guys. Let's fill up now before we hit the road. And you hear the tink, tink, tink of a marble bouncing away and Fook running after it. This has been Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Starring Scott Thrower as Fook the Paladin, Lee Cameron as Snakey the Ranger, Maddox Campbell as Hank the Wizard, and Kyle Scott as the Dungeon Master. This has been a Kicks and Giggles production created by Kyle Scott and Maddox Campbell, with editing by Maddox Campbell, theme by Derek Baldwin, and engineered by Andrea Miller. Find out more at cavernsandcomedians.com, and don't forget to like, rate, and share. Thanks for listening. A single tear rolls down its cheek as it remembers its children from its past life. Wait, is this your mother? It could have been if it's from thousand. Well, only a thousand years ago. Oh, uh, that's that's heavy. Oh. Also, I don't think the ancient Ang- the Anglo-Saxons uh, used mummification. <laughs> Does anyone mummify elves? It's not my heavy. Mama was an elf. It's your mother. <laughs> oh, no.